Hi all, and welcome to a COP28 special of Ecolution. We're recording this in advance, but as you can see from the date, we've decided to drop it right in the middle of the event. As you may already know, COP stands for the Conference of the Parties, and it's the UN's Climate Change Conference. The actual meeting is where countries from across the world come together to discuss and agree on ways to tackle the ongoing climate crisis. And this is the 28th time it's being held. 197 countries, plus the EU as one entity, will attend COP. This year it's taking place in Dubai, in the UAE. It kicked off on the 1st of December and will run until the 12th, and the event promises to be far-reaching. There will be a day devoted to the health impacts of the climate crisis. A deal on paying for the loss and damage inflicted on nations at the front line of the climate crisis looks likely to be reached. The connection between nature and climate are being made clearer at this COP event and the opening address will come from Charles III, an actual king. But there are many potential issues. America is one of the top three polluters, and yet President Biden isn't attending, sending John Kerry as his envoy instead. And jaws dropped when it was announced that the president delegate was to be Sultan al-Jaber, a man who just happens to be the boss of one of the world's largest oil companies, the Abu Dhabi National Oil Company. And fears he might not be the best choice were well-founded. Just ahead of the opening to COP, it was discovered that he and his staff had been using the access to world leaders in advance of the event to try and increase exports of oil. Hardly surprising, but shocking for it to be so blatant. The impacts that COP could make through either action or inaction are huge, and so we couldn't let it pass without discussion here on Ecolation. We've gathered a really broad and very well-informed group of young people to take part in the conversation. So let's meet them. First up, a representative from the Children and Young People's Assembly on Biodiversity Loss. Sarah, could you give a quick introduction about yourself and the work you've been doing with the Assembly? Um, yeah, hi, I'm Sarah Gavin. I'm 17 and I'm a climate and environmental activist. Um, I was a part of the Citizens' Assembly with Young People and Children on Biodiversity Loss, where we created 58 calls to action and between 35 young people and children all together. Thanks for that. Next, we've had many members of the Irish School Sustainability Network on Ecolation before, so we had to include them here too. From the primary school part of the network, we have Charlie. Charlie, can you introduce yourself and where you're from? Hi, my name is Charlie. I'm from Clarehan National School um, in County Tipperary. Brilliant. And from the secondary strand, we have Rosa, Ella and Kelsey. I'm Ella. I'm from Presentation Wexford. I'm Kelsey. I'm from Presentation Wexford. And I'm Rosa and I'm from Rockbrook Park School. Okay, thanks everyone. We've got a lot to go through in this episode, so if everyone's ready, we're going to get started. Today, instead of just broadly discussing the event, I thought we'd lead with a few questions and give everyone a chance to contribute an answer. The hope is that at the end, we'll have pointed out the things we like, shared the things that worry us, but also tried to shape the kind of future event we'd like to see. Very much good COP, bad COP. So my first question is, how do you feel about the current state of what COP events are? We had hoped to be joined by climate activist and UN advisor Saoirse Exton, but sadly this wasn't possible. But as Saoirse attended COP last year, we asked her to briefly tell us about that experience and how she feels about this one. I attended COP26 in Glasgow in 2021, and I think COP is a really interesting experience for a variety of reasons. First of all, you are coming to a place where there are people from literally every country imaginable across the world activists, decision makers, policy makers, lawyers, fossil fuel executives, everyone joining together in one place. This year's COP is kind of branded as the most inclusive one ever and we'll have something 
like 100,000 delegates, which is a lot of delegates. So in that regard, you know, like meeting everyone, networking with everyone, it's, it's incredible. But also it's really overwhelming. And a lot of that is because of the fact that there's so much going on all the time. So one of the key parts of any COP is negotiations. The whole point of, of this conference is for leaders of different countries, for negotiation teams of different countries and different negotiation blocks, such as um, the Africa block, which negotiate together, coming together and talking about the climate crisis and making decisions on, on how much, for example, emissions reductions should be aimed for by 2030, for example, if we were to halt climate change. And this year, it's very, very important because of the global stock take, where leaders and members of different country delegations will look back on what has been achieved, or rather not achieved since the Paris Climate Agreement in about 2015. And we will be able to see in numbers how much leaders have kind of failed, which is a little bit depressing in some ways, but also really, really important because we can see how much more we need to do and how we actually achieve that also really really exciting at this COP and, and it was adopted last year in Egypt is the loss and damage fund which was I think yesterday or the day before it was announced how that's going to be operationalized how that funding is going to be made available to countries that are worse affected by climate change and through the World Bank which has drawn a lot of criticism because the World Bank is not very well known for how it treats developing countries but it's a step forward nevertheless for me I think being in these spaces and and knowing that just through the door there you know you have leaders speaking about these very very important issues and making decisions on them that will affect you know all eight billion of us for for years to come and our children and our children's children that's an exhilarating experience in and of itself but also getting to meet with leaders like minister Eamon ryan and the Taoiseach and Tomashta is a great experience not just to express the concerns of young people but also to remind our leaders that, that we are listening and, and we are interested in change. It is important, but at the same time, the most important thing we can do as individuals is to continue to protest, to call on our leaders, to, you know, once we're old enough to vote in elections. And I think that will definitely make sure that we have change and that the ambitions that are brought to conferences like COP26 and now COP28 are actually ambitious, if that makes sense. And um, yeah. None of us had gotten to attend, so thanks to Sirisha for that insight. Charlie, like all of us, you've not been to a COP event, but what do you think of them as a young person looking in? I think some of them are very inspiring. There's lots of good stuff come out of them, especially with climate change and getting worse at the moment. There's some that stand out to me that I thought were very good. Like there was some people so happy after them because they're just they're making the world that one bit more sustainable. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Charlie. So Sarah, what do you make of the current state? Um, I think it's great that um, other countries are connecting with each other and brainstorming new ideas. Ella, I know this is something that has been discussed widely within the ISSN. How do you feel? Um, I think that they have a solid plan to follow, but they need to set realistic goals for the year. Um, I agree with her. I just think that they should do the same and not give people false hope. Okay, Rosa, although you're also part of the ISSN, you attend a different school to Alan and Kelsey. Have you been talking about this at Rock Brook too? What do people think? So yeah, we've been talking about this at Rock Brook Park School. Um, everyone thinks that COP is a good idea and um, everyone agrees that we shouldn't uh, give people false hope. We should try and stick to the same um, goals that we've been trying for that the different countries have been trying for years and they should all come together and agree keep it below a certain uh, temperature keep the globe below a certain temperature
So Kelsey, I'm going to come to you with another question that leads on from the last, which is why do you think holding COP28 is so important? COP is a vital tool in mobilising global action to tackle climate crisis. I think it's important to hear all the country's opinions and thoughts. Brilliant. So I'm going to go to that same question to Charlie, if that's okay. Yeah, kind of the same as Kelsey. Set us up now for the new year. Give us all them goals to reach. And Ross, would you like to add on that? Yeah, basically the same as Charlie. Um, the new year, new goals, um, just new hope for people um, in the current state of things. Sarah, would you like to add to that question? Yeah, it's uh, really important because it's such a current topic. And um, COP is so important because the more people go to this and the more people involved, the more info will be shared and brought back that they can use. Brilliant. And just lastly, Ella? I agree with what everybody was saying. Like, I think it's important that we listen to like everybody's opinions, thoughts. After learning the new news about the president using COP kind of as an excuse or a gateway to opening up oil production, has this changed your opinion on how effective COP is? And we can go to Charlie if you would like. Yeah, like, so I don't, I don't really trust him because he's the owner of an oil company trying to teach the world on climate change. Brilliant. And we'll go to Rossa then. I think he's going to use this opportunity to um, promote his oil business to the different governments and try and arrange more deals with uh, different governments just to uh, make more money. And we can go to Ella and Kelsey. I think like appointing him as president kind of defeats the purpose of cop like when they're trying to stop all this and he's trying to promote it brilliant and we'll just lastly with that question to sarah yeah it's really sad to see like the president is exploiting a peace event which should be used for totally different reasons of communication um it's kind of wondering will other countries follow this too and like what will happen for the future for the next cop event will this be repeated every time okay so it seems clear that for all that our view on their effectiveness is mixed. The importance of global action on the climate crisis and nature loss is agreed to be vital. Ross, I'm going to come to you again. Your school has run a climate festival for the past few years. I know past top events have come up. What are the positives you've seen? Uh, so one of the positives I saw coming out of a previous COP was the discussions, I guess, on the key issues of phasing out of fossil fuels and moving clean energy from renewable sources like wind and solar. Because of rapidly accelerating global warming, uh, COP28 is really pushing this time for countries to um, pushing harder for the financial support of like poor nations to enable them to do this. Kelsey, would you like to answer that same question? Uh, yeah, I think governments from around the world agreeing on policies to tackle climate change. And um, Charlie? Yeah, I kind of agree with Rossa. They cut down on fossil fuels in one of them, and that made a big change. Very good. And Sarah? I think it's really nice to see from the positive side that there's more young people and some children getting more involved. Um, and there's so many representatives from different countries to have that viewpoint, because obviously COP as I said, like, is a current event and it's nice for the younger generation to be involved and included in it too. So there has been a lot of progress. How hopeful are you all that the rapid changes needed will come out of this event? And if you'd like to expand on why, Sarah, I'm going to come to you first. I don't know whether, like, direct change is going to come out of this. Maybe the change of how it's communicated, like how we talk about COP how it's included more in different countries. And like I said, more people are involved. But I don't think maybe direct change can come from the event. 
So, Charlie, with that same question? Yeah, I kind of agree, especially with global warming getting higher and higher. We need to get some solid change out of this event. And Rosa? So, I'm very hopeful, like a lot of people, but I guess I have my doubts, you know. So, like, some countries probably won't stick to their words and um, they won't, like, agree to the uh, to COP. And, yeah, they'll just continue doing what they were doing before. To Kelsey? We can all see change is needed straight always with like hotter winters and changeable weather and frequent storms. And Anna, do you want to finish up? Um, like if governments can all see these changes happening around them, we need them to come together and like help reverse global warming and encourage people to do things to increase like wildlife and forest sizes. So how do you guys feel about when governments don't make the necessary actions as quickly as we need them to? And I'm going to go, I'm going to start with Kelsey. It's kind of, it's frustrating because we need them, but we can't really make them. So it's just, it's frustrating and annoying. And Charney? Yeah, I think they're not, I think they need to put more focus into their environment rather than politics and try and get to the chase really fast. And Rosa? Yeah, so I guess when they don't act fast, it just makes me personally like frustrated and uh, you know something needs to be done. You don't know how to like address them. You need to have a voice. You need to like stand up and just say like, hey, now we need to do something. Um, Sarah? Um, yeah, it can definitely feel like frustrating, especially when you put so much time into something. Like, for example, with the assembly, we created 58 calls to action and we are people who can't vote because we're all under 18. And it's kind of like all the work we did and it can't be put into direct action. As it is clear from the attention being paid to the loss and damage part of COP, some nations are already in the midst of the climate crisis. This COP is happening on a year that has proven to be the hottest on record. And it's those most affected people and areas that are suffering the most. For some nations, such as Fiji, talk about mitigation is too late for them. The island nation could well be lost to sea rise in the coming decades. So I'd like to ask, who gets forgotten at COP and how might they fix this? Sarah, I'll come to you first. I would definitely say disadvantaged groups because it's actually for COP. It's normally held in a country that, especially if you're not from it, you either have to fly or, you know, um, get a boat or take a train. And this all costs money. And there is some grants available, but unfortunately for some minority groups and disadvantaged groups, they can't go because of this um, barrier that's in their way. Brilliant. So moving on to Kelsey there. I think small islands developing states are forgotten that are the least responsible for climate change. I think we could put more work into how we could do it. So Charlie, would you like to answer that same question? Who's getting left behind and how can we change that? Yeah, I personally think the children and just all the normal people living around the world should be playing a bigger part in COP. Very good point. And Rosa? See, I agree with Charlie. Um, I think young people get forgotten uh, at COP because they have a voice in all this since, you know, we're growing up in this future. that They shouldn't forget what we think of what they're doing as well, you know. And just with that question again, the last question for Ella. Small islands that are developing states are forgotten and they're the least responsible for climate change, but they're some of the most impacted. So I'd like to think that the imbalance can be readdressed more quickly than we've seen before. The imbalance between those who pay the greatest price and the global north, which has been most responsible for the crisis. So thank you everyone for your contributions so far. We're in the final stretch of the show. And I'd like to stick with the things that can get in the way. Charlie, what do you think are the biggest barriers to progress? What's stopping countries from acting as quickly as we need them to? 
Well, I think it's everything that's going on in some countries. There's wars and stuff, and they can't respond to this fast enough. The biggest barrier to progress um, is like CEOs of big oil companies because they have a lot of power. And as we said, it's being hosted in a place that's famous for its extraction of oil. So I think this can have a bad impact. And Kelsey, with that same question? Yeah, I agree. And I think not enough recycling happens and we need to talk more about the correct use of general waste bins and recycling bins. Ella, do you want to follow up from that? I think one of the biggest problems is countries not willing to give up the use of fossil fuels and use like renewable energy such as hydroelectric power, solar energy, wind energy. Brilliant. And we'll just finish up that question with Sarah in there. Um, I think the biggest barrier is that it's quite a private event, although like it's shown publicly, it is quite like mainly an advice only one um, that I think if they like open that, they could get so much more um, opinions and views. Okay, so after all those questions, we've spoken a lot about bad cop and onto the good cop. So we finished with some resonation. I'd like us to focus on a better future. So let's remove all the barriers. How would you envision a perfect COP event? What does it look like and where would it lead us? Rasa, I'll start with you this time. If we give more power to the countries that um, have the most exposure to climate crisis, this um, would be a better COP event, you know. The people who are worse affected come and they decide what happens. They say, you know, we're being worse affected, therefore we get to make the decisions and then things would change. And Sarah, do you want to answer that certain question about how would you envision a perfect COP event? A perfect COP event should be open to everyone. I think COP should be done in every country. And maybe there could be like an online platform where like a Zoom where a lot more people can be involved in case they can't travel to it, but still be involved in the conversations and like seeing the event happen. And Chinese? How would you envision a perfect cop? Yeah, I did envision like lots of people invited, good climate focus coming out of it, especially to the countries being worst affected by climate change. Brilliant. And then just lastly on that question, Ella. I think a perfect cop would be to have like people of the public go a lot more and everyone to agree to commit to all the promises they make and to reach the achievable targets. I like the sound of all of your visions. I think it sounds a lot more like the world I want to work toward. So now, how do we get there? Where would you start, Charlie? I would start with, like and Kelsey said, try and reduce our carbon emissions and try and get lots more gardening and all that kind of stuff into the world and get more people into the environment and climate change. And Sarah, would you like to follow up on that? Um, yeah, like um, what I said previously, um, I think it just should be like an open invitation and that COP is done in like every country and like maybe there's a Zoom or so like a like a website maybe that people can click in and still get involved in talks and debates even though they might not be there in person. And Rasa? So now I know this may sound bad but I'd like enforce this with like the law. I would make kind of things like you're only allowed to make produce this much oil per year or you're only allowed to consume this much oil per year uh, and I would I also have an open invitation of course um uh, I'd ask everyone if they would and please, but like, I think the time for discussion is kind of over, you know, then things need to start happening now and we can do that if we take these things to the law. And Kelsey, you can kind of put your input in and then Ella, you can follow in after. Um, I kind of agree of what Charlie's saying, but I'd also like to add, as I answered in the first question, I think by achieving settable goals, I think that like if the government invests in like more research for like renewable energy and 
by even to just have the companies reduce their energy by giving them a green target in recycling, reusing and reducing their energy input. So I think it's very clear that the climate crisis and subject are taking up a lot of space in all of our minds. And I guess we come back to it again and again. As young people, the decisions made at COP can feel out of our hands, even though those agreements will affect each of us for a lot longer than the politicians in attendance. I think we'll all be watching the COP event with great interest. But COP is just one fortnight and we need to keep the pressure on. One piece of advice that we heard in a webinar by the DCU Centre by Climate Society this week was about using your voice. The agreements made at COP are made by lots of countries. Ireland is one of those. There is nothing stopping you from contacting your local TD or representative and asking them to keep you updated. Show them that you are watching. Ask them to send you a plan for how Ireland will respond and act on the agreements. We might not be able to vote yet, but the more of us who use our voices to ask the important questions, the more they have to respond. So I'd like to give a big thank you to our panellists for today, Rosa, Ella, Kelsey and Charlie from the Irish School of Sustainability Network. Guys, we all love your work. And Sarah from the Children and Young People's Assembly on Biodiversity Loss. You'll hear more about it in our next episode, the last of this series. I'll finish by asking you each in turn for a final comment but I'd like you to address them to the delegates of COP28. If you could say one thing directly to the leaders attending, what would it be? I'm going to start with Kelsey. I think follow through, don't make false promises, as said by Sultan Algebra. Expectations are very high and trust is very low. And Charlie? Yeah, I would just say speak out. You're referring your country over in there in the COP. Like, you want to make some good comments and make sure that you make the world a better place. And Sarah? I would say stop saying promises that you won't hear results back. And Ella? I'd say we're in a now or now moment. We need to reduce our fossil fuels and pollution. We need to work together to create a greener planet. Brilliant, that's another strong one. You're all very good. And Rosa? I would say act now, make the unpopular and tough decisions to save us quickly. But we're going to end on that. I'd like to give, again, a very big thank you so much to all of you. Bye! Bye. Today's Ecolution was produced by Nikki Coughlin and presented by me, Evie Kenny. This is our RTE Junior Podcast! For more sort RTE Kids Podcast!